Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. I know everyone's a little fatigued this week, including you. Election overload plus the stupid freaking time change that makes it dark. Well, it's dark here at 4.30. Yeah, it is here too. Super early. Well, no, it's 5.30 there, right? Yeah, but still, I mean, still. All right, so I'm going to perk you up a little bit with some 80s throwbacks before we get into what happened this week. Okay. Um, In 1983, Billy Idol released his second studio album, Rebel Yell. Okay. More, more, more. That that doesn't get you excited? It does. It does. Um, Wait, where was the good one? Okay. Sometimes you realize how really cheesy the 80s was when you read some of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 1986, The Mouse and the Motorcycle aired for the first time on ABC Weekend Specials. I miss that. I mean, I don't, I've never heard of that. Seriously. Oh, God, you devil. Oh, God, you devil was released. Remember that was the sequel? Was that Mel Brooks? Uh, It was George Allen. But maybe he Okay. I think we're alone now by Tiffany hit number one. That's a horrible horrible but it's song. such a it is but it's such an 80s song like it's just such an 80s it. song didn't she perform it at the mall was it that one or was that debbie gibson i think they i think performing your song at the mall was like a thing right <laughs> so it's probably all of them <laughs> right in front of contempo casuals and judy's did you have judy's no. Or Wet Seal or any of those like teeny st- stores with like really cheap shit clothes. Yes, they were all cheap. What was the what was like the super cheap Contempo Casuals? Oh my Contempo. god. Contempo. Contempo was like all I see now is like bright green limit. Like what was the fabric we all wore to prom? Oh no. god. I don't know. I I know what you're talking about. It was like a weird chiffon like type fabric. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Contempo was the hottest store um, in my high school. Like, that was it. You know, and all the cool girls worked at Contempo back when teenagers had jobs. Um, right. Like, super cool if you worked with, worked at Contempo. But, like, less cool if you worked at, like, Hot Dog on a Stick. Um, that wasn't as cool. But So you're saying when I worked at Arby's, that was super uncool? I don't know. I mean, it, it's not Contempo. I mean, let's not pretend that it was as cool as Contempo. I used to shop there. Oh, for sure. I think we all did. Yeah. With that, like, those sweaters that, like, Genera. Remember Genera with the two R's? Like that, those 80 sweaters. (laughs) What was the limited before it was the limited? Was it always the limited? I think it was. And then Express, like, spun off of it, limited. And we had the V-neck sweaters with the one shoulder and the. Yeah. But the limited used to be a nicer store than it is now. Like it used to have nicer clothes. Like the quality was nicer. Oh God, Um, I haven't been in there in decades. Yeah, but it got, yeah, no, no. But it got super trendy and I think they went super cheap. But I remember in high school, you know, it wasn't like super cheap stuff. Um like Judy's or Wet Seal or stuff like that. I can't believe I'm talking about this shit. Okay, but our our listeners appreciate this. They want to hear it. Because we have to remind people that the great country America once was. That's right. When you could buy Contempo Casuals and and neon, like, mesh, like, half gloves, like Madonna, and the rubber bracelets and jelly shoes. Remember, did you have jellies? The jelly of shoes? Course. Oh, dear. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I loved those. And then your feet would just stink for months because it's all you wore, but you didn't care. And you got, they like had permanent indentations from them because they weren't like solid. So they would like cut into your feet. <laughs> those like little like, well, I don't know, strips of plastic. Oh, 
But I love I love those too. Well, you yeah. know what didn't happen in the eighties? It didn't uh, take, it didn't take weeks <laughs> and months and years to count ballots. You know, that's such a good point. I've made this point on Twitter yesterday or Tuesday or some I don't it's all blurry that we are more and more technologically advanced now than ever with the ability to do things much faster than ever before, right? To streamline things and to have things get done faster. I mean, my phone is like a million times more powerful than my my desktop computer when I was 10 years old, right? Because we're so advanced. And yet (laughs) it takes longer and longer to tabulate ballots, but only in the U.S., because other countries do not have this shit. Even like African nations count their ballots on the same day. I mean, this is such a good point because as we become technologically advanced, we are like going back into maybe the stone ages where people have to, you know, chisel on an, on a stone tablet who they want to vote for. And then it gets passed around among all the various camps. I mean, this is this is crazy what's happening in Arizona, what's happening in Nevada. We're sitting here now um, Thursday afternoon. There are dozens, I think, of house races that still have not been concluded or called. I just don't recall this. This has just been the trajectory. And of course, it accelerated in 2020 under the bogus pandemic rules that a lot of states have since adopted really into perpetuity. And this is really dangerous. Now, I know you've been following Arizona. You're from Nevada. So that's sort of where we can start before we get into what happened with the House races. But we're still waiting for conclusions in Arizona, the governor's race and Senate race, and then Nevada, the Senate race. Well, and and the state. I mean, it's important, really, that the states, both Arizona and Nevada, and any state really is controlled is controlled by Republicans. But I, I want to point out, it doesn't have to be this way because other states did manage to count their ballots. In fact, um, and I know we'll talk more about this later in the show, but Florida, which has um, is seven times larger than Nevada. Nevada's three million people. Florida has 20, I think, 27 million people live in Florida they got everything wrapped up within five hours. Um, And so it's important to remember that this is a feature, not a bug of the election system. This doesn't have to be like this. It's like this on purpose. So that's um, something that's really important. But right now in Arizona, we're waiting to find out about the Senate race with Blake Masters and uh, um, Gabby Gifford's husband, the astronaut, and Carrie Lake, who's running for governor of Arizona and in Nevada, we're waiting to hear about Adam Laxalt, uh, who's ran against um, Catherine Cortez Masto for the Senate. And also uh, we have governor's race. And those are important because as much as we complain about the electoral, you know, the electoral machine, those that's only going to be fixed by the executives of those states, like of by a Carrie Lake and her administration or a Joe Lombardo and his administration. Sisolak, who is the sitting governor of Nevada, he's a Democrat, and he is again running for reelection against Joe Lombardo, who was the sheriff of Clark County. Um, Sisolak and the Democrat legislature in Nevada, like permanently made the COVID election rules, right? Mm -hmm. They like made them permanent. So, um, you know, many states used COVID as an opportunity to overhaul the election to their favor. And some of them rolled those things back. Others did their own reforms. I know Georgia did some voting reforms too. Nevada kept them. So, um, that's kind of where we are with Arizona and Nevada, but it's it's important. We're going to talk about what happened in the House, in, in the Senate, and in America on Tuesday. Um, but no matter where fingers are pointed or at whatever analysis or conclusions we come to uh, or whoever's fault you think it is, and everybody's got an idea of who's at fault, the single most important thing about the elections is that our political enemies control the election machine. 
And so I don't care if you want to blame Trump or you want to blame McConnell or McCarthy or the messaging or shitty candidates. It literally those are all secondary to the fact that our political enemies control the election machine. So anyway, and that's I mean, I I know you've been hearing you've been hearing from people about that. Um, And I think this maybe is a lesson that has to be really driven home after this election is that when you have election weeks, months, we cannot, we, you have to get Republicans out of their, you know, traditional routine of voting on election day and waiting for those voters to overcome whatever happened weeks before with mail-in ballots when you have Democrats who are are harvesting those, going to college campuses, going to nursing homes, et cetera, you know, sign here and and turning those in. And then the so-called curing process afterwards, which is the crazy thing happening in Nevada, where they people, voters can come back and cure, meaning fix ballot. They're screwed up mail-in ballot until November 14th. But what happens is those voters, their names are posted on a website and you have leftist activist groups who contact those voters, do whatever they can to help them to fix that because they know that they are Democrat voters. That's outrageous. Um, I had no idea that it was on a website. Now, I looked my ballot up and I looked my mom's ballot up, too, and I'll tell you why. I I mailed my ballot in, but I I have like a filled out paperwork um, to get an absentee ballot sent to me. Right. Like, so I filled out paperwork, my ballot, cause I go back and forth between Nevada and Virginia. And so it comes to my mailing address in Virginia. I fill out paperwork to get that. And so I've always voted absentee ballot for like that. Um, but I looked it up. There's a website where you can look up and see if your ballot has been accepted and mine was accepted. However, I looked at my mom's ballot because Now in Nevada, everybody gets a ballot in the mail. Like everybody, they automatically send ballots to everybody. Everybody just gets a ballot. And so one thing to know about Nevada, which is kind of unique, is that it is a very transient town. People come there for a little bit and they leave. It's um, there's a lot of condos, apartment buildings. So the postman will just dump like a white basket, you know, the one that says like U.S. Postal Service, just a ballot in these lobbies of your of apartment buildings all over the place. They're not put in boxes. And so since everybody's getting a ballot, my mom was kind of upset because she didn't get a ballot. Now, my mom never votes by mail. My mom is old. She goes to the polls to vote. And when you go to the poll to vote, you have to sign an affidavit saying you're not going to send in your absentee, the ballot that was mailed to you. But my mother told them I ne- she never got a ballot. So my question is, where's my mom's ballot that should have come in the mail? Where is it? I So I looked it up to see if it had processed like a mail ballot from my mom. Now, it hadn't. And it said that they she voted in person. But the fact that they would post people's names on a website and say these people need to fix their ballots. Look, election day is election day. If your ballot isn't in the hands of the secretary of state and the registrar voters on election day, then you don't vote. Then your vote doesn't count because those are the rules. And that's how we do elections. It's infuriating. But this also happened in states like Pennsylvania in 2020, where they extended the they posted online if the ballot did not have the correct information. This happened again this year. It didn't have the date on it. If you are too stupid to fill out basic instructions on a mail-in ballot, like the date, your correct address, a signature, first of all, you shouldn't be voting. But luckily, you have Democrats who are making sure that you do because they need to get elected by stupid people. If you can't get a mail-in ballot correct, you don't get a chance to go fix it. Either it's tossed immediately or you have to get your lazy ass into a polling station and you have to vote in person. That's it. It's not that hard. I'm sorry. How hard is it to fill out a fucking ballot? Right. If if you can't, if you're you're mentally, like if you don't have the skills... 
necessary to complete, to fill out a ballot according to the rules, then you don't have the mental ability to vote. Like you should not, like, just like you shouldn't be able to drive a car or use heavy equipment or anything like you, you, you do not have the mental capacity to vote. Or run for Senate as a Democrat. Well, well, (laughs) or president. I mean, (laughs) uh, president. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mess. It's a mess. So So. uh, first and foremost, until the GOP, the Republicans can take back control to of the election process so that we are having a secure election that doesn't favor one side or the other, just a secure election that people can have faith in the results, even if they lose, then then. We are. It doesn't matter. Honestly, all this other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Trump. It doesn't matter. Bad candidates. It doesn't matter. Bad messaging. We will always we will always lose. There is now a system where it's almost impossible for Republicans to win. In 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 states where they have these systems because they're not free and fair. So that's my big nut on about this election more than anything else. And there's plenty other things to be angry about. Which we'll get to. There are. But I think as Molly Hemingway said on Laura Ingram's show last night, the Republicans have to start playing this Democrats game. We now have two election cycles where the Democrats have completely exploited, manipulated and capitalized on these covid rules. These are things that Democrats have wanted for decades. You know, no photo, no voter ID vote wherever you want. You don't need signature verification. You can mail it in. It can be, you know, your dog could have put a paw print on it as validation, and that's fine. Um, But Republicans have to start playing that game because those rules aren't going away, especially as these states now go back into Democratic hands. So you had Democrat governors elected or reelected in Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. I believe the Pennsylvania legislature, at least the Senate, went Democrat. So to the extent that there's any hope that these election rules will be changed, because, of course, they didn't really change them when they could have because they're scared of being called election deniers or believing the big lie. So those states are probably permanently gone. So Republicans need to go back to states, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, the states that are gaining voters, that are gaining congressional seats, Arizona as well. That's where they need to fixate on their time. And we could talk a little bit about how much, you know, time Republicans need to even waste in these. Once kind of purple, they were purple for Trump, um, but now I think going reliably blue in the Midwest and and Rust Belt. But at any rate, um, those aren't going to, those election rules aren't going to change. So either we change them in the states that matter, that are growing, that are gaining electoral votes, or... um, we start harvesting and curating ballots like the Democrats are. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. But I also think that um, we are fighting against decade machine that the Democrats have set up. So we can start playing by their rules, um, you know, or play like they play. But the fact is that they have a massive infrastructure that we um would, it's going to take us decades to even catch up. I mean, that's something. I mean, I agree we need to, quote, play their game, but we also need to fix elections. Like Florida has a good election system. We need that ought to be what we are looking, what we, we aim for is to change the system so that we're back to the way it used to be, where you have basically, look, I'm not even opposed to early voting. Let's have one week early voting. Florida has early voting. All right, fine. One week. Right. One week early voting and then election day. If you did not vote by election day or your ballot isn't at the register, you know, in the hands of the state officials on election day, then it is over. And there is no reason that we have trickling things in and you all of this other um, curing ballot. No. No, no, no. And voter ID. It's just that simple. And 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 uh, I mean, again, I get I angry and I see everybody fighting and pointing fingers. And yes, I have things to say about that as well. But 
we are at such a disadvantage in a lot of these critical states because we have been asleep. Now, the now the Republicans have had a consent decree against them <clears throat> that goes right. back, I think, to the 90s that has not allowed them to participate in certain features of our elections. Now, this was is uh, was always outrageous, and it certainly was outrageous. And I think it just got lifted like the last election right. um, that also compromised the Republicans. So, you know, I'm going to keep saying it. These these group, the left, not the Democrats. This is a mistake a lot of people make. Um, and this is a really frustrating um conception that repeat Republicans have, a, I would say, conservative center-right voters have. This is not the party's problem. The Democrat Party doesn't control this stuff for the, the left. The leftist activists control it. The Democrats aren't doing this. There's hundreds of organizations whose only job it is, is to go out and 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 tinker with elections, whether it's ballot harvesting, going to college campuses, um, drop boxes, all of this stuff, all that they do is register people to vote. There's a huge machine that does it. It's not controlled by the Democrats. It's controlled by the activists. The idea that we're going to look to the GOP, which are just fucking idiots across the board, to do something like this is outrageous. And they're not going to do it because they and they because they haven't done it. I mean, if you pay close attention, you would realize all the way back with after after 2016 and and the way in which the Democrats flipped out because they they lost, they didn't think they were going to win, you would know that they had something baked into the system and that the Republicans would get wise to it, but they weren't. So, I mean, don't give money to the parties. Don't give money to the committees. Give money, when you donate money, give money to political infrastructure that is benefits the, the center right. That's great. That's a or politicians give directly to a politician never give money to the nrsc which is mitch mcconnell never give money to the nrcc which is kevin mccarthy don't give money to the rnc they they don't please don't what what did the rnc do this election cycle do we know do we know where that money went were they on the ground were they did they have grassroots operations in these close races I think I that no, maybe they from, did. I assume they did. From, from what I he- heard, they they did have a lot of lawyers ready to go. Like they did have lawyers on the ground, which of course they didn't in 2020. That was a, right. another fuck show. Um, I'm told that they did have a lot of lawyers, but the people I know on the center right that are working on election integrity issues have nothing to do with the RNC. They're not working with the RNC, not working with the party. You know, you you see things like Harmeet Dillon is over in Arizona, you know, for for Carrie Lake. She's not doing that as an RNC person. Um, and there are other people, too, that are involved. They're lawyers um, and other groups that are trying to to catch up and 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 to be on the ground for the lawsuits that they need to file the way the left files lawsuits. Now, now it's interesting to note that in Arizona, I think one quarter of the voting machines were not working in um, Maricopa County, which is the largest County in Arizona and voters went there and they weren't able to vote. Now, from what I understand, this has got to be one of the most asinine things I've ever heard, but okay. Where, when you go to vote in Maricopa, you in in Arizona, you can vote. I think you can vote in any precinct. You aren't like in many states, you are assigned a precinct. You go to your precinct and you vote. Right. You can't vote outside of your precinct. But in Arizona, you can vote in anywhere, which means you have to tell them where you live. And then they literally print up a ballot based on your address. Now, this to me is so stupid. Yes. I can't believe it. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. You go to your fucking precinct. The chances are it's in your neighborhood. Okay. Because it's a geographically, it's geographically determined. So when people would go to, to their, um, to go vote in Maricopa County, their printers were broken. They didn't have printer paper. The ink wasn't printing. I mean, these people have one job. They've had two years, you know, Right. Between elections <laughs> and their machines didn't work. And so Carrie Lake and um, I think the other Republican campaigns 
sued to to have the polls open later because again a a large number of these polls, people couldn't vote. But once they tried to print out a ballot, then they couldn't go somewhere else because the machine was like, oh, no, they already voted. And they would have to cast a provisional ballot. And so they tried to sue to keep the election longer than to, you know, to open the uh, mm-hmm. polls open for an extra two hours. And of course, some dumb shit judge was like, no. <laughs> so. But I guess like having lawyers on the ground, I think the RNC does. I don't really know what the RNC does, to be honest with you. I I think I, I just I have no idea really what they're doing. I know there's a lot of grassroots people doing stuff, but I, I well, couldn't I tell Karen's you what the RNC does. Tucker last night and said when she wins, you know, these are the first people who are going to be fired in Maricopa County. And then they are going to reconfigure these crazy election Yes, yeah, she should have said that like on a, on at her victory speech and not before the votes are counted. <laughs> because when I heard her say that, I'm like, they're not gonna let you win now, you know. Well, what? She's like, the first the first thing I'm gonna do is fire all these people. <laughs> okay, well, you're not getting in. Her, her Democratic opponent, Katie Hobbs, is the Secretary of State of Arizona, who Crazy. oversees the election process in the state, refused to recuse herself. Uh, uh, like this is third world country bullshit. It is. Um, it's really, it's really insane. I don't know what recourse uh, Carrie Lake and the other Republicans had on that. I don't know if they could sue, like you know, to take action to force her to recuse. But again, this is what happens when people, the, when you have elected officials who are in it strictly for their own power and not in it for the system. You know, it is very suspicious. It has the appearance of impropriety for her to continue to be involved in the election process while she's on the ballot for governor. But she doesn't care. Like, she doesn't care if it looks suspicious. She doesn't care if a bunch of people think some of their shenanigans going on because because she's involved and she's running for office. They don't care. That's really, you know, these people are are the, the left is the ends justify the means. Right. They don't they don't care. They're not in it. They don't they hate the system anyway, as they'll tell you. So I think what is the most terrifying about our election infrastructure right now is that there's there is no accountability. There's no oversight. No one is held accountable except maybe a few like criminally accountable, except maybe a few fringe election workers here and there. You saw what happened in 2020. We saw that state laws were flagrantly broken in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, flagrantly violated as to the handling of mail-in ballots, the curing of mail-in ballots, the counting of mail-in ballots, the harvesting of uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, Jocelyn Benson, the Secretary of State for Michigan, violated the law there, flooded. She sent absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, to every single voter against state law. But when these make it to the state courts or even the Supreme Court, the judges refuse to consider these lawsuits at all. And that's what happened in 2020. So when they saw that they could get away with all of that, in addition to, you know, big tech's interference, suppression of critical information related to the Biden's overseas business dealings, quote unquote business dealings, bribery, grift, whatever you want to call it, um, no one is held accountable. And so now they know Katie Hobbs, okay, who's going to stop her? You're going to sue her? Okay, it's going to go to some judge like it did this week. Who's going to say, oh, no, she can be fair and impartial. She doesn't have to recuse herself. You know, we have tools in place to make sure. No, you don't. And when the tools are in place, no one enforces them. That is really scary territory. And that's where we're headed, which is why Republicans have to get in the mud. They have to play dirty, just like these Democrats do. Now, of course, the judges will hold them accountable. But to the extent that, okay, these are the rules, they're going to break them, we're going to break them. That, unfortunately, is where this has to go. Well, I, I wonder, you know, I'm not, not a lawyer, but I I wonder um, if the someone could sue, like, the, this would go to, like, the DOJ, assuming that, um, 
you know, let's say a Republican was elected president and had somebody who, you know, would have cleaned up, burned down the DOJ or reconstructed it. Could there be like a lawsuit, you know, where this is like a civil rights violation to have um, because people the the like what you just described in Pennsylvania, I mean, that's that's disenfranchising voters, right? Who people who that's like right. by, so you're you're watering down people's vote. So I'm just wondering, I don't really know what the recourse is. I'm going to ask one of my, I do have friends that are, you know, expert election lawyers. And I'm just curious um, because otherwise we just have to take over these governments. But I mean, again, Pennsylvania Republican legislature is the one that voted for what? Like infinite, like no deadline to mail your ballot in. I mean, during COVID, they passed that law. Um, And they're cowards and they're weak. And they're not, you know, they're afraid to like fortify. I mean, look at what happened in Georgia when Georgia did make a bunch of different reforms um, after 2020. And none of uh, none of it was none of it was bad. None of it was like, you know, uh, suppressing the vote, their favorite thing to say. Um, but, you know, everybody was they, they, they got dragged through the mud. But who cares? They have to say we don't care. You know, we, you could say anything you want. Go fuck yourself. Um well, also, and to your point about D- DOJ, they sent <clears throat> monitors to 24 states to make sure that people were complying with federal voting rights laws. So this, to your point, they are looking for alleged civil rights violations. Right, exactly. To disenfranchise exactly. voters, meaning you have to follow the law, and if you spoil your ballot, it's tossed because that's how it's always been. So they were deployed to all these states to look for crimes, not the old, well, I saw a crime, I'm going to report it. They're there to monitor at polling stations. I believe Florida kicked them out of polling stations, said you can't come in. But this is where, you know, this is where the, this is where we are right now with this Biden DOJ and Kristen Clark, who's head of the Civil Rights Division. You know, I wonder... Um... I wonder if we could do something like that if we there was a Republican, um, you know, and the DOJ was, you know, like I said, like cleaned up and doing the job that they're supposed to do. But it, you know, when you have the DOJ going in and they do this, see, the DOJ did this kind of similar with police departments. Remember, they would go in and like take over police departments, say there was like a consent decree because the DOJ decided the police departments were too racist to operate like by themselves. And so the DOJ had to come over and take, take, take it over. Um, So, I mean, that's some, that's something I guess like the Republicans can do if they ever get into power. I mean, remember they're, we're get we're, we're in a system where it's almost impossible now for a Republican to win because the elections I don't think are free and fair. But I do want to point out, I believe that Missouri and Florida, I don't know if there were other other states basically told the DOJ poll watchers to get the fuck out. They were like, no, you're not coming in the polls. Uh, they announced that. I know DeSantis did, and I think Missouri did too. Um, there should have been more states. All the states should have told them, no. I mean, elections are a state matter. They are run by the state. The rules of the election are determined by the legislatures of the states. It is not a federal issue. So, And you don't send federal prosecutors into polling stations looking for crimes. That's not your job. Your job is once you have evidence of a crime, you prosecute it. You don't go in as investigators or snoops or anything else. That's not your job. So it totally flipped on its head. But of course, this DOJ run by Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, and in DC, Matthew Graves, they don't care. Again, because there's no accountability. They know they can do whatever they want shove it right in our faces and there's no judge no legislature no lawmaker who's going to step up and say no except for these two DeSantis and I guess it would have been um who's the governor of or was it Schmidt the attorney general it sounds like something Schmidt would do he just won uh U.S. Senate which that'll be great to have him in the Senate well more states need to push back and 
I don't really, I don't necessarily have a good solution. I mean, it's really a state issue. The activists in these states need to make sure that they get good people elected to the houses and the senates of the states to get these law, pass these laws and have their governor sign it so that you are, that we are having decent elections because Pennsylvania, it's too late um, because once you have the system completely perverted, you, it, you can never win within that system. The system is set up so that only Democrats can win. I mean, ought to be fair. I mean, I know what Molly said. I know Molly said we need to play like the Democrats do. You think that the Republicans did exactly the same thing the Democrats did? It would be a fair playing field, even though the Democrats control the actual voting counting vote and the structure. Right. I don't think so. That's the problem. Yes. Yep. It doesn't matter. I mean, if we start like moving to a early voting, um, uh, like that sort of pa- pattern to vote that that I'm trying what is the word I'm looking for like that that's how we operate in that system I still don't think it matters first of all we're we there's little we're not going to get as many votes off of college campuses the way that the you know the left goes in and registers people to vote you know you have states that have same day voter registration that needs to stop by the way um with out voter ID that also needs to stop um, you know, we can send a bunch of people, you know, we can have Turning Point USA go on college campuses. I mean, how many you think they're going to register as many voters as uh, as, you know, the Democrat socialist young, the young socialist chapter? No. So, you know, again, there's there is an important point that she makes, and I, I agree with part of it. But I think it's it, we have an even more fundamental problem is that yes. it really won't matter if we do the same thing. So where do we go? Because our, you know, we don't have big groups. We don't have union halls. We don't have, nur- I mean, obviously nursing homes, they could, um, but we don't have these big, you know, camps of ripe Democratic voters like Democrats do. So that well, it's is also like, let, let, let's be honest, right? Like only a filthy monster would go into a nursing home and cast a ballot for somebody who's ill or has Alzheimer's. Like you're a piece of human shit to do that. I mean, Republicans are just not going to do that, but Democrats do that. I mean, I remember in 2020, I have a, I know someone who's, um, has been monitoring all of the nursing home fraud that went on in 2020. I mean, there are nursing homes that have a hundred percent voter, like a hundred percent of the residents voted. I mean, you're talking about people that are in memory care facilities, people who are on hospice or something. These are not people capable. I mean, this is for someone to do this your soul is dead you know you're an evil person i just don't see republicans doing something like that but the democrats do it so anyway so let's let's talk about yes i was (laughs) gonna say let's talk about who all is to blame like now that we got that out of the way which is i think the most important thing to remember um is people have been pointing fingers a lot. Trump's been getting a lot of shit. Um, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell will never get enough shit, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the RNC, the the party. Um, but let's talk about let's just talk about Trump. Okay. A lot of people are mad at Trump. What do you What do you think, Julie? Um, I mean, I think, and I know we'll get into detail this a little bit, I think there are a lot of people to blame for this lack of a red wave everyone was expecting. Trump is the leader of the party. Um, he's a prospective 2024 president, Republican presidential candidate, or, or was. I mean, he still is. Um, so does he bear some responsibility? Yes. I mean, especially for a candidate like Dr. Oz who is a quack, who in no way has any Republican credentials and ended up losing to a, a Frankenstein, a vegetable. <laughs> yeah. Monster mash. I mean, <laughs> right. So that is probably his most humiliating loss. But look, he campaigned around the country. Candidates groveled for his endorsement. Um, I think he can own some, you know, some victories there, especially J.D. Vance. And if Blake Masters pulls this off, I, you know, I, who knows where J.D. Vance would have been without Trump's endorsement. So um, is he to blame? Well, of course, you have to put the blame on him. But, you know, the turnout records 
they just saw a graph today, you had 6 million more Republicans turn out to vote than Democrats in this midterm. Where did those, um, you know, where did those votes go? And the exit poll, very exhaustive exit poll that was posted yesterday, showed that Trump was not a factor for the most part in how people were voting. And really neither was Joe Biden. Joe Biden was a little more of a factor, but the exit polls said 54% of voters said Trump was not a factor. And I think it was like 48% for Biden. So um, and that can kind of dovetail into the fault of the Republican leadership, especially Kevin McCarthy and the messaging coming out of there. But that that's what the numbers are showing. So does he own some responsibility? Yes. Does this mean he shouldn't run for president in 2024? No. Does it mean he won't? No. So, um, you know, that's that's sort of my assessment on it. Okay, so I am going to say that I do not trust exit polls at all. So um, I didn't look super close at them. I mean, I think they're kind of interesting, but I just I don't trust I don't trust them. First of all, you only are getting people that that are willing to talk to someone about how they voted. So that's kind of a self-selected group of people. But I do think there it was some interesting things to just consider um, about what what happened. Like, we, I mean, we were very confident that this horrible economy um, and the like gas prices, inflation, um, that this would out, this would be like the number one issue for most voters. And it turns out that abortion was uh, a huge concern for all the single women who are the ones who vote Democrat, we learned from the exit polls as well. Um, but, um, you know, this is, it, it's very I mean, this was how, what the Democrats campaigned on. And we we kind of made fun of it, right, where they, all they were talking about is abortion. And now how abortion translates federally, like in in this election, it's it makes no sense. In other words, Joe Biden, how, when did the when did the Dobbs decision come down, Julie? So it was May. I OK. Believe. Or was that May. the leap in May? All right. Anyway, let's just say the leak. Let's just say the leak. I think June. June is when it came out because that's when they do the end of their thing. So it's June, the end of June. So Joe Biden, who controlled the Senate and the House, could have immediately convened all of his, you know, they could have gotten together. They could have cranked up their machine and they could have passed a bill and they could have made Roe versus Wade law of the land. And Joe Biden could have signed it, could have signed it. Did that happen? Now, what does it mean now to like vote at the federal level for Roe versus Wade? I mean, if you're worried about your your abortion access, that's something you deal with at the state level now. So you're talking about your legislature, your your Senate, the, your governor. This not, this isn't like have to do with a Senate, a U.S. senator anymore or a U.S. House of Representatives. So it's it. It, this goes to show that the Democrats really fear fear mongered and scaremongered their voters. Now, I was listening to Megan Kelly's podcast from yesterday. I was listening this morning. She had a caller. Someone called in from Michigan because really, I mean, the idea that these people would vote for Gretchen Whitmer after all of the shit she did is mind blowing. But this caller said the only thing Gretchen Whitmer campaigned on was abortion. I mean, this is the this was the the sort of scaremongering yes. or the single issue that they were getting people to vote on, which was abortion. Now, again, Gretchen Whitmer, I, I don't know what the makeup of Michigan is. I'm pretty sure it's probably Democrat controlled. Um, both chambers, I, I don't know, but um, and the and the Democrats wisely put it on the ballot in a lot of states as well. And they put marijuana things on the ballot. That also helps turn out with the younger people, the younger, dumber people uh, that don't sort of understand exactly how the system, the system works legislatively. But if, if you go to enough people and, and the, 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 the targeted group where that message is going to resonate with are unmarried women, 
um, right. or divorce women, which is, I think, which we saw in the exit polls, which I don't necessarily trust. But let's just go with that. <clears throat> you know, um, you just have to keep beating that drum. These are people that are probably more affluent. They're not they're so they can afford to say abortion is more important than inflation. Right. If you're a relatively financial, if you're financially comfortable, you may notice the prices go up, but you're not making a decision between like which of your kids you're going to feed because you can't buy your groceries. So I think that that was a factor as well, that some of these people, it's like a class issue for abortion to be more important than inflation. That's a class issue. I don't know. Well, I know you don't trust the exit polls, but I, I, to the extent that it gives us any kind of glimpse into the thinking of voters, um, it abortion was listed as the second issue um, after inflation. And for those who named abortion as their top issue, 76 percent of them voted for the Democrat. And when you look at a state like Michigan and let's just say it is sickening that not one politician of either party, any government official, anyone has not been, again, held accountable for these tragic lockdowns, especially what happened in Michigan. Um, but she was sort of gifted with this and she made the most of it. And they had another proposition. I, I think it's Prop 3 or I, that's not the name of it that codified abortion rights, I think, up to 24 weeks in Michigan. That's all the ads that you saw in the state of Michigan against Tudor Dixon. And she basically ran on Whitmer's lockdown response, which was is fine. But Michiganders knew what happened, right? And so unless you're putting out a plan, I promise not to do that again. Okay, that's great. But in a state like Michigan, where obviously this was a driving issue and helped Gretchen Whitmer win re-election pretty handily. Um, but again, these exit polls, that's what it showed. And when the response was, how does the you know overturning of Roe versus Wade make you feel? And it was, you know, excited, satisfied, not very good or angry. You had 33% of the respondents who said angry and almost all of them voted Democrat. So it definitely, I think, was a bigger issue than the polling before the election indicated, because I think it showed abortion in, in the single digits. And so Republicans thought, oh, we kind of have this made. It's not going to be a big issue. But it seems to have been, at least in some of these states, um, you know, a, compel a winning issue for the Democrats. Well, I think that if we were to draw a Venn diagram of people who are super animated to vote on abortion and people who were super happy to lock down and wear 20 masks and put masks on their kids and, you know, or put their kid in a bubble, it would almost be a circle, right? I mean, the people who care, who are, are I'm making a, a guess here, but I, I think I'm right. There are a lot of people in Michigan who don't, aren't mad about the lockdowns. I mean, Right. I mean, there are people still wearing masks. Like I yeah, still see are. people wearing several masks. So yeah, they they think that these people, the, their response saved lives and they don't care how it irrevocably destroyed the lives of children or bankrupted businesses or all the other hell that people have gone through. They're like, well, you know, we, we saved lives here. Well, you don't know that. And you didn't. You actually destroyed probably more lives than you saved. So, um. But at any rate, so there was that. So back to Trump or and McCarthy. I mean, I do blame McCarthy more because he did focus on Biden, I think, a lot more than he needed to. Instead of laying out a detailed plan of what they would do with power. Now, you already have Republican, the base of Republicans who are very angry that they're what what the Republicans did not do with their power between 2017 in 2021, instead of going after Democrats, investigating, firing, exposing everything that happened, um, they went along with these investigations like Robert Mueller. So we're still smarting from that. And so you're kind of like, OK, why should we give you power again? And then McCarthy is going around the country with this very tepid message, um, you know, this very banal, I don't know what it was called, commitment to America that said really nothing. And 
Republicans wanted more meat on the bone. Okay, we really want to know what you're going to do with power and not stop inflation because we don't believe that you have the ways to do it. We want investigations. We want hearings. We want criminal referrals, even though they'll go nowhere at DOJ. We want subpoenas. We want to look at what happened with COVID. We want to look at the FBI, the corruption at the FBI. I mean, he would give it lip service, but Liz, he wasn't convincing. I mean, he didn't convince people that they were actually going to wield power when they had it. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Um, And the other thing is that, um, you know, we have different groups of people that turn out to vote for these things. You have like the hardcore Republicans, just like you have the hardcore lefties, right? They're hardcore. But you have a lot of people who aren't, who aren't like loyal necessarily strictly to party. And in, in, in those cases, you have to give people, you have to tell them why you, they should vote for you. You know, what, what are you going to get if you, if you vote for, you know, the Republican, what is the, what is the house of representatives going to do? What are they going to do with their, with their power, with the gavel? Right. Um, And we didn't get that. You know, we 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 did not get a clear message. And I think some candidates tried to do it. I mean, they 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 did. Some of them did. Um, but for a lot of, of them, a lot of because basically the election was like an incumbent protection racket. I mean, there were for people. It's, I mean, it's a very unusual, it's like a cognitive uh, dissonance. The fact that so many people are unhappy with the direction of the country. And yet we have all these incumbents that retain their positions. That's a new, that's very unusual. Um, but uh, uh, back to back to the, um, the the campaign and the platform. Well, there's just no there's no platform. There's nothing to stand in opposition to what what the Biden is doing and what what the left is doing. And so for people who aren't hardcore partisan that are automatically just going to vote R down the line. There's no there was no case to be made. And I do, like I said earlier, I think that some of these candidates tried to do it. But for people who are not an incumbent and they don't have a, a record, it's it's harder to when you don't come out with something affirmative for someone to vote for you. And just to give an example of of how of of, of a success is like a Ron DeSantis, where. Ron DeSantis said a lot of stuff in the campaign, but he's done all those things already. So people love him. I mean, again, we had a historic situation in Florida, but Ron DeSantis did what he said he was going to do. So if you're not, you know, and and he was very clear and um, forthright about what he wanted to do, what he was planning to do, and then what he did, and he earned people's loyalty for that. But if you have people that are running against an incumbent and they don't have a very specific message to motivate people to go out in the polls and support them. People aren't going to turn out. You know, they're not going to vote or they're just going to say, well, they're going to stay with the status quo. And I think that that is a, a is a real problem with the party. And again, we can talk about Mitch McConnell, who, you know, didn't back a lot of Republican candidates because he didn't think that they were loyal to him. Right. They wouldn't be loyal senators like Blake Masters or J.D. Vance. Um he, or Adam Laxalt. I believe he didn't uh, support Adam Laxalt either. He and didn't Dr. think that they would be loyal to him. So he didn't put any money into their campaigns. So, right. you know, it was just really like a free for all. It's like the you could barely say that the Republican Party had, you know, as a as an entity had a bunch of candidates on their ticket. It was just a bunch of kind of loose threads trying to get in under the Republican umbrella without any help. Meanwhile, the Democrats lock walk in lockstep. You know, they are in lockstep. They are always supported, always supported. Look, they supported a guy that has shit for brains right now. You Fetterman literally has like two firing synapses in his brain. This guy just got won a Senate seat. And and did you hear any Democrat come forward and say, I don't think we should I think we should uh, not pull him out or I don't think that's a good idea. No, they were like, this guy is the greatest thing we've ever seen. Some dumb shit on MSNBC or whatever. Oh, he's run for president. You're an ableist right? if you're making fun of him for his stroke. Quote right. unquote stroke. Um, they didn't didn't someone elect a dead guy? Didn't Democrats elect like yes. a dead guy somewhere? Yes. I mean, this is how we're at their own basis and how they're just. This guy died a month before the election. (laughs) 
<laughs> not even like the day of and they didn't know. No, a month, a month before the election. I mean, this is why people say we didn't have good candidates. Uh, I don't know. I'm not I don't know if I'd go on that route, considering, again, Fetterman, the president of the United States. I mean, these these are not good candidates. But part of it is that the Democrats always support the Democrats. They never waver. They never waver. And I think back to Karenberg was the first or second impeachment of Trump. You know, <laughs> even even senators in states like Manchin, who is basically he's in a red state. You know, Chuck Schumer had his balls in his hand, squeezing his balls and was like, you're voting to impeach him, even though it really wasn't in Manchin's interest. And you know what? Manchin did it. And so did uh, Kristen Cinema. She was probably in Arizona's a purple state or whatever it is now. I don't know. Um, but she vote her too. She voted to impeach Trump, even though that may may have been a problem, you know, not such a smart thing to do in Arizona. The Democrats always stand together. The Republicans, it's literally every man for himself. Um, if, unless you suck up to, you know, Mitch McConnell and promise to be his handmaiden. Well, Bad. let's end on a good note because our hour went very fast and we'll have plenty know, of super fast. figure out Trump versus DeSantis versus, I mean, Mike Pence, he's there too. He's got a book coming out. He had an excerpt in the Wall Street Journal this week talking about what a, you know, in his sanctimonious, how he uh, dealt with Trump and the last days, you know, following the insurrection. So we'll have plenty of time for that. But I, I do think it, let's end on a happy note since we are happy hour. Sometimes we forget okay. about this. Um, so the Florida outcome was amazing. Uh, of course, he won Miami-Dade. He won Palm Beach County. He won by 20 points. He had coattails. No way in hell does Marco Rubio win as much as he did against Val Demings as he did. Um, they picked up three congressional seats, I think three or four. Now, of course, they redistricted because they're Republican and they picked up, you know, they redrew some some districts to help Republicans. But I think they picked up three or four congressional seats. I mean, you had that in New York, too. At the top of the ticket, you have Lee Zeldin, who put on a very vigorous. I mean, he's not really a well-known congressman. Maybe he is there, but nationwide, he put on a very vigorous campaign. He took Kathy Hochul on, you know, point blank about crime and other issues, campaigned around the state, campaigned in New York City, um, had a great message, stayed on message, talked to the voters of New York. Um, he came very close, but he also had some coattails. I think there were three or four congressional seats out in New York as well. You saw that in Georgia. Say what you want about Brian Kemp and how he handled the 2020 election. I think there's legitimate criticism there. He's been a good governor. He was one of the first governors out of the box after COVID to open up his state to the criticism of the Trump White House. Um, but he's a good governor. And I think he helped drag Herschel Walker, you know, close to where we are going to. Now there's a runoff between him and Reverend Warnock uh, next month. So when you have energetic people at the top of the ticket with a solid message. You talk to the voters. You actually do things like DeSantis has done and Kemp has done. That has downstream impacts. That's not, you know, what has happened in other areas. And I do think maybe that's part of what happened with Trump. Yes, his policies were good. But at the end of the day, in retrospect, Trump left a lot on the table. And I think that there's some, I think that will come back to bite him and probably is now. You know, um, one thing I, I want to point out about DeSantis, it's so admirable, really like the mark of a, a leader, is that DeSantis brought everybody with him. He wasn't not, and Rubio too, obviously was the beneficiary of, De, of a DeSantis wave. But Ron DeSantis was campaigning for school board. You know, a friend of mine who lives in Florida said everybody down to the mosquito commissioner won. You know, Ron DeSantis brought everybody on up. There's no Democrats in state government control of state government in Florida now. And that's because Ron DeSantis knows, you know, that's what he needs to run his state is he needs loyal people. He isn't worried about somebody being his competition later down the line in some other place. So, I mean, that's really like the mark of a leader is that, you know, he really fortified his state. Um, and it really wasn't about the Ron DeSantis show. 
Um, I'm just saying that. Uh, I think you know why. <laughs> but it's <just> like, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, so, well, we we will uh, be back. Are we going to be here next week? I believe so. I'm actually going to be covering a trial next week. So, but yes, let's say for now, yes. Um, okay, so we'll be back next week, and we'll know um, whether uh, what happened in Arizona or Nevada, or maybe not. You know, maybe not. <laughs> we won't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I did see just breaking that Lauren Boebert has taken the lead now in her uh, in Colorado third district. She was looked like she was going to lose, but there's, now she's taken the lead. So it'll be nice to keep that seat. Uh, yes. Yeah. So again, thank you everybody for listening. We will be back next week. If you haven't, go to iTunes, subscribe, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz, give us five stars, and the beat goes on. We'll we'll, we'll still be counting. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.